So um, I'm preaching tonight. Woohoo! <laughs> Who am I? I'm Brent Locker. I actually started this church with my wife Suzanne, who was just up there. We we started this church 14 years ago. In fact, almost 14 years ago to the day. Just this last week, we had our 14th birthday. Woohoo! And uh, honestly, it's been it's been um, a dream come true that's required lots of work along the way. Because dreams actually do require a lot of work. They don't just happen. But I got to tell you, just as Susan said earlier, to be with people who come together, who love to worship, who love Jesus, who love each other so well, that, that part is a dream come true. And um, I've, you've heard me say this many times. I'll say it again because it's true. 14 years now. This is a true statement. I'm not making this up. I have not left a service at the end of a Saturday night in 14 years and been disappointed in 14 years time. That is a true statement. That's, that's not, you know, look how great we are. That's look how great God is. When we choose, when we've chosen ahead of time that we're here to meet with him and, and to actually connect with his heart, it's going to happen. Doesn't always happen the way you think. Believe me, there've been a lot of surfaces that have not gone the way we thought they were, but something amazing always happens. And I just, my heart gets filled up every single time. So tonight, um, you know, tonight I, w- I want us to have a, a, a fear crushing party. Can we do that? You guys good with that? We're going to crush fear. Um, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Let me see where we are. This is going to be interesting because I'm going to do this in two different places. Yeah. Um, before, how do you face fear? Well, before I go on with this, let me just, I, I was, I was actually in the Wizard of Oz when I was in fifth grade. I'll give you one guess as to which character I was. <laughs> no, I was not Toto. Okay. All right. So I was the cowardly lion. How do you face fear? I'll tell you what. This is how we're going to show you first how not to face fear. You ready? Here we go. Bring me her broomstick and I'll grant your requests. Now go. But what if she kills this fight? I said go! All right, that's not that's how you don't face fear. So in this in this analogy, first of all, let me let me make it really clear: the Wizard of Oz is not God, right? Because God doesn't use manipulation and fear to get us to do what He wants us to do. But I will also tell you that the Wizard of Oz doesn't really represent the devil either because the wizard turns out to be actually a pretty nice guy who was just afraid himself. So in that fear, he tried to manipulate others with fear, which often happens. So, um, but I will say this, that, that that is the devil's game is intimidation and fear because that's all he's got on us. Do you understand that? I want to show you a scripture from, um, this is one of my 
favorite chapters in the Bible, Colossians 2. But check these two verses out. This is in the, the um, wow, Christian, sorry, a version of the Bible, CEV <laughs> version that says, God wiped out the charges that were against us for disobeying the law of Moses. He wiped them out. He took them away and he nailed them to the cross. There, Jesus defeated all the powers and forces. Can you say all? There he defeated. Not will defeat, not is going to defeat. On the cross, he defeated all the powers and forces. He let the whole world see them being led away as prisoners when he celebrated his victory. You've, you've got to see this and know this deep inside of you. Because the only game the enemy has left is deception and intimidation. That's it. You know, sometimes we can have that question, well, why would, okay, if Jesus already clean, you know, finished this thing, why, why is there still a battle? Why is there still a struggle? I can guarantee you God is using all things to bring us into completion in Christ including even the, the devil's games and what he tries to do because as because there's a whole process going on of us figuring out who we are, what we carry, what Jesus has already done for us that's growing us up in all ways, in love, to be just like Jesus. So, But you've got to know, you have to know this is already a done deal. So I want to talk for a minute before I go on we're not going to we're not trying to elevate fear we're not trying to highlight you know the the virtues of fear for sure because because it's not something it's not something we want to experience but but let's i want you to think about for your life i do want you to think about what it is where are the places where the enemy tries to dupe you and 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 uh, intimidate you through fear these are just some that i thought of there's a the list is a whole lot longer than this could be losing someone that we love. You know, that fear. I've experienced that. Uh, bad health or disease uh, for ourselves, for others, especially when you get that word from the doctor. Um, not having enough money. Or fill in the blank, not having enough something else. That's a big fear. Not have, feeling like afraid that we don't have enough. Here's one. Looking stupid to others. I just used the word that we're all thinking. Yeah, I don't want to look stupid, so I'm afraid of doing that, whatever that thing is. Here's a huge one, and that's being rejected. In fact, a little while ago, we talked about being part of the, the, the belonging of our connection. If, I, would, I would ask tonight even, if, if you feel like this is a part of your family, but you're just not able to jump in, what is it? And for some, it could very well be a fear of rejection. If I actually go all in, now I'm now I've opened my heart wide open. But it's not just about this church; it's about it's about other relationships you have. Another one is fear of failure, or fear of success. What? Yeah, actually, sometimes we sometimes we're paralyzed from doing anything because we don't want to fail. But there are other times where. If I really step out and I'm successful, now I'm actually going to be responsible for that success. Now other people are going to be looking to me for things. There's, there's all, do you see how the enemy just in all kinds of different ways wants to, he wants to cripple us with fear. So 
think about it for yourself again before I move on. Because if I'm talking, then you can't think sometimes. Think about this for yourself. Those are some examples. It could be other things. Just for a moment, pause. And let me just pray with you as you think about it. Holy Spirit, would you show us places where our hearts are afraid? Just show us what that is, Holy Spirit. Okay. Again, I'm not trying to highlight this so that you're going to be more afraid. We're going to do something with this, I promise. But it's more valuable if you actually give it thought and allow him to start highlighting some things. Often, to be quite honest, we don't even know what it is we're afraid of. Very often that's true. Sometimes there's obvious things, but then there's less obvious things that are in there and we're not even aware of them. That's where God has to show you. And we're going to, in a little bit later, we're actually going to pray through this again. And we're going to ask God to show us things that we can't see. But first, I want to share with you, um, this, this kind of started, um, this, this message started, um, ruminating inside of me, except I'm not a cow. Yeah. <clears throat> About, um, last Monday. So less than a week ago. I got up one morning and I saw two different videos on um, Facebook and I actually posted them in two different places. Some of you probably saw them. One of them was Chris Valentin's and he's a spiritual, very close spiritual papa to me. And um, Chris was, was uh, taking a video of himself um, in a hotel that was right outside of the Statue of Liberty in New York. I really wish I could show that one, but it's, I'm not able to. I'm going to show you the other video in just a minute. But Chris was, was quite, um, quite boldly saying, talking about the tragedy in, in Paris and saying that we needed to pray for God to, um, trying to think of the words he used, but to end ISIS. But he said so in this way, just like the apostle Paul, the, the Saul became apostle Paul because he was the, the, the terrorist of, of his day, killing Christians, thinking he was doing God a favor. And Jesus came and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Chris had this impassioned plea in front of the Statue of Liberty, which was a gift to, given to us by France. And and uh, but I, what I loved about it was the boldness. There, like some people would say, "Well, you can't say these those things on Facebook. That makes you a target." Yeah, that's exactly what the enemy would like us to think, so that we never stand for anything, so that we're intimidated and we don't stand for what is right. Now, there's a right and a wrong way to do this. You understand? I mean, it's still, you, what Chris's message was all about love, actually. It's very, there wasn't anything dishonoring or hateful about it. But he was calling things what they were and saying, look, people, it's time we stand up. So that was one, one message I heard. The second one, um, was from Bill Johnson. And, uh, this is, uh, uh, this clip just gripped me that morning. I want to play it for you. Um, it, he explains a passage in Philippians about, fear and about i'm gonna let him explain it here's this bill johnson another spiritual father of mine from bethel church in reading philippians 1 is one of my favorite ones on the subject of fear uh, verse 27 says let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of christ so that whether i come and see you or am absent i may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here's the verse. Not in any way terrified 
by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you of salvation. Now think through this verse. This is really powerful. Not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of eternal judgment. So think through this. Every time you and I are victorious over a fear issue, what is broadcast on the PA of hell, the powers of darkness, is pending doom, absolute eternal judgment. And they try to get you to fear so they don't have to think about what's coming. I've got some really good news for you. I heard just recently. Every, every time we are victorious over the fear issue, what happens is the enemy, all the powers of darkness, come face to face with the fact that they are eternally doomed and there is no solution. And that's what the vic- victory over fear does, is it pronounces, it announces, it reminds what is coming their way. No wonder... The powers of darkness work so hard to get us in fear, both to dislocate us in our sense of effectiveness, but also to erase from their thinking what they are facing. That's amazing. That's amazing. So here's, here's the deal. Fear absolutely kills us. Fear absolutely messes us up in the worst possible way because it, it connects us, it connects us to a lie. Connects us to a lie, he said. Good stuff, huh? Amazing. And here it is, and here it is in the scriptures. I, I put it in the New King James Version, which is the one he just read, just so you would see it for yourself. I'm not going to read it again. He just read it. But just in case that passed you by so you can see where it is and, and where it is and there it is. It's right there. Amazing. Some of the promises in scripture and, and the truth of the authority that we really have. Um, and, and, uh, so, so I watched these two videos and it was doing something to me, getting me all stirred up in a good way. Um, later on that night, um, you know what, first I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a story about what happened later that night, but first, but first, I want to share one more scripture with you. Um, this is the artist's rendition of David and Goliath, which you can read. We're going to read a little bit of it, but you can read it in 1 Samuel 17. Um, I'm not going to read the whole story. Most of us know it quite well. What you need to know in this story, though, is that David was the youngest of all the brothers. He was, he was not even full in stature yet, wasn't even full, you know, fully uh, the man he was going to be yet in stature physically. But, uh, this picture doesn't show it that way. It shows him pretty buff, but, uh, he was still a boy, basically. And, um, and remember, he had spent all the time in the fields worshiping and he had spent also time slaying bears and learning, learning through intimacy with the Lord who he was, learning his authority. So the story goes that uh, Goliath is kind of the biggest guy uh, from from uh, from the army. Um, my, it is escaping me. Philistines. Thank you. It's, it only says Philistines like every other word in this thing I'm just about to read to you. And the Philistine and the Philistine, because they don't call him Goliath very often in the story. 
um, Goliath from the, the Philistine army, they were coming to, to try to take um, the army of Israel. And so Goliath steps out and says, he says, hey, I'll take on, you pick one person, I'll take them on. Whoever wins, we win the whole thing. And did this for 40 days. And everybody, the Israelites are afraid. They are completely intimidated. Nobody wants to take him on. Except for this guy, David. He starts hearing the stories first from the back. He's not even on the front lines. He's not even allowed up there. He ends up going up there to bring some food. He had already heard the stories. And basically he's saying, who is this guy? Just who does he think he is? Now, he goes, he actually, this is a part of the story we don't think of much. He actually goes back to Saul, who's king, and says, I can take this guy. Saul's going, you don't know what you're talking about. Get away, kid, right? And David's like, no, no, no. I've been out in the fields. I've done this to the bears. I went and, you know, he starts telling his story. He's like, let me at this guy. Now, this is fascinating. Saul says to him, okay, then I guess you're the guy. Why is that so amazing? You're talking about an entire nation, right? This isn't just a fight. And if David loses, he dies. Oh, I always loved David. Sorry that he died. No, this is about a nation. This is saying if he loses, we're all sunk. But something in David was so, it, it, it so penetrated Saul. He saw something in David that David actually believed who God was. And David believed what he could do because of who God was. There was something in that that, that said to Saul, okay. Of course, he tries to get David to wear his armor. Bad mistake. David's like, I can't even move. So he says, never mind. I'll just take these five stones and this sling. He comes out. Here's where I want to read the story. I, I want... Holy Spirit, help us to get this. I'm just praying right now. Help us to get this. Because this, what I'm about to read, is the heart that's actually inside of each one of us already. But for many of us, it's buried and we don't know it. We don't know who we are yet. We don't, we don't really, really understand yet or live in that place of knowing who our God is. Now check this out. When the Philistine, every time he's saying the Philistine, he's talking about this Goliath dude. When the Philistine looked David up and down, this is starting at verse 42. So the Philistine's looking at David and going, really? He says, um, what he saw filled him with scorn because David was only a lad with ruddy cheeks and an attractive appearance. Hey, what that means is he had no, you know, no scars, no, no weathering of his skin yet. Anyway, it means like, really, you're going to send this guy at me? Uh, the Philistines said to David, am I a dog for you to come after me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. The Philistines said to David, come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild beasts. I want to stop here for a minute because we read this story. For you who have read this story many times, we read it and we just move right past it because we know how the story goes. Can I tell you something? When David was in this, he didn't know how the story went. He hadn't lived it yet. You know what I'm saying? Like this was very, very real. He's, here's a guy, you know, several times his size saying to him, get over here. I'm going to rip your guts out and I'm going to throw it out to the birds. And he means it. He's going to kill David. Do you know, very few of us, some of you in this room have been bullied in your life. Bullied bad, some of you. Very few of you in this room know what it's like for someone to come at you who's going to kill you. Some of you know what that's like, but very few people do. That's, that's fight, flight, or fright to the nth degree. 
you know, you're going to, anyway, you understand what I'm saying? This is a real deal. I just want us to get it because otherwise his response doesn't mean anything. Otherwise, you know, I mean, we would be, I don't even know. We, I would, I don't even know how I would respond. You know, just that yuck feeling all through your body is, is what we'd be feeling about now. So then David, (laughs) David retorted to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a scimitar, but I come to you in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth. He lays it on the line. He says, you have no idea who you're dealing with. This is the, the great I am. This is the one who was and is and who is to come. Do you understand who you're messing with? He says, he says, um, I come to you in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, God of the armies of Israel, who you have challenged. Do you understand who your war's against? Today, Yahweh will deliver you into my hand. I shall kill you. I shall cut off your head today. I shall give your corpse and the corpses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the wild beasts so that the whole world may know that there is a God in Israel and this world and this whole assembly will know that Yahweh does not give victory by means of sword and spear for Yahweh is Lord of the battle and he will deliver you into our power. Where did David Get this. How did he know? How do you know, no, no, like this when somebody just told you who's three times your size, I'm going to rip your head off and feed you to the wild animals? David doesn't even have a sword. This guy's all decked out. He's got his sword and, 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 and the skill and the strength behind it. Where did he get that? Intimacy. He got it through intimacy with the Lord. That's where he got this. He spent, he, he was the one who spent hours and hours and hours. Well, he's, he's a shepherd. He's out in the fields. Well, I, I love music. I love my God. I guess I'll just sing a whole lot of songs. And somewhere in the midst of, of intimacy, he started knowing Papa's heart for him. Like he got it. It gripped him. It, God got him, you know? He got God. God got him. There was this this knowing in his heart. I know who my dad is. And I'm telling you, that's not something hardly anybody else had. A lot of people had religion. They knew God was Yahweh. They were afraid of him. But very few people had intimacy and were deeply in love with him. Here's one who was. I'm telling you, this is where he got it from. Because this is going to be the key for us. Yes, we're going to deal with fear. We're going to look at our fears in a minute. We're going to ask Jesus to take these away. But ongoing, how do we deal with fears? How do we, how do we, how do we see the enemy? You have no right to do this to me. I'm telling you, there's only one way. It's intimacy. It's closeness. It, it's, it's you getting a hold of God's heart, Him getting a hold of your heart, and you knowing who your dad is. Knowing who your Papa, Abba, Papa Yahweh is. Check this out. No sooner had the Philistines started forward to confront David than David darted out of the lines. Like he's not staying back with his friends. He's running towards Goliath. He darts out of the lines. He, he ran to meet the Philistine, putting his hand in his bag. He took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead, and he fell face downward on the ground. 
Thus David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He hit the Philistine and killed him, though he had no sword in his hand. David ran and stood over the Philistine, seized his sword. He takes his own sword. He took his sword, he pulled it from the scabbard, dispatched him, and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. It's time we know who we are, who our dad is, and what we carry. Because I'm telling you something, there are many times the enemy wants to intimidate you and make you afraid. If you knew who you were and what you carry, you would know you are the one making them afraid. You are the one that has the power. You are the one that has the authority. So I want to take you back to last Monday. I already saw the, I already told you, I saw these two videos from my own spiritual dads, you know, that, that made me take, stand up and take notice and say, you know what? I think God's talking to me. That very night, I gathered with five people in a room. It was, uh, it was a meeting discussing our, our building, the future, looking for a building, looking for land, acquisition. And, um, Diane Jung was there. Yay, Diane. Diane and Clayton were there, but Diane was there and she, she reads this prophetic word, which I'm going to read to you. It's, um, you know what? We're just going to read it because you're going to get it as I read it. It's from Johnny Enlow. Just came out a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. This is only a portion of the word, but this is the part that, that gripped me. The atmosphere is so shifting and changing. He's talking about right now, in the days we're living right now. The atmosphere is so shifting and changing that we are now being enabled to behead our personal Goliaths. There is a reality now available for you to take out Goliath with his own sword. As David did, you must run towards him fearlessly and risk it all. When David went after Goliath, he risked his whole future and life itself should his assumption of a God with a different narrative not pan out, the one he believed in. Now is the time for all who have hoarded. What he's talking about is the times of fear, the four blood moons. There have been a lot of prophecies out there about doom and gloom. Actually, there were about three or four dates that have already since passed in the last month where it was supposed to all end. I don't know if you know this. These words are out there all the time. And and this person, Johnny Enlow, is saying, okay, it's not time to hoard. It's not time to pull back or to speculate in fear. I'm going to go back and read what he said. Now is the time for all who have hoarded or pulled back or speculated in fear to fully break the grip of the wrong prophetic narrative. In other words, the one the enemy's trying to tell you that's fear-based. He's saying it's time to break that thing. Do it like David did. Chase down the taproot of fear itself. Here's the next little part of it. Fear will cost you some serious kingdom ground. But a great recovery is available if you will throw all Goliath-inspired caution to the wind and go after kingdom destiny. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
So whatever steps of caution translate fear that you took in order to not need faith, ouch, you now want to reverse in order to get back your kingdom edge. Face your fear, take it out with its own sword. Now this all sounds really good, but what does this mean? How do we do this? I'm actually going to give you an example right now. Okay, so we're in this meeting. Diane reads this word and and then we go into prayer and we go and we start to we start uh, some sometimes we're praying. Sometimes we're just silent. And in this silence, I start asking, I start asking God, Lord, because remember, we're here in this meeting talking about a place, a place of our own blazing fires own place. And I said, God, I'm just, this is in my own heart. I'm not saying it out loud right now. I'm just saying, God, what, I know there's some fear in there. What's, what's going on? I want you to show me, expose any fear that's in there. And, and, and I know one of them had to do with, you know, the fact that we've been at this a long time. And there have been some places that I said, this is the place. I think this is the place. In fact, there have been two times in particular where, where we even showed pictures and we said, this is the place. And we, uh, we had a lot of people that gave very, very generously. I'm super grateful for that because that's given us actually the amount that we have, though we need so much more. But it's given us some amount to be able to, um, you know, move on things if we need to, at least in this, in initially. But, but that thing inside of me that says, well, um, I, I want to step out. I want to, I want my wanter to, to be alive and step out, but you know, we've tried several times before and you don't want to just keep having people charge up the mountain again, you know, some of that stuff. So some of that's about myself as a leader. There's, there's fear in there a little bit. How people will perceive, but I'll tell you where uh, probably the bigger fear came. I started thinking about, cause, and when I say what I started thinking about, God showed me. There's another way of saying it. Different language saying the same thing because I just asked God, where's the fear? Then I start thinking about something I wasn't thinking about before. And, and so I believe, and I know he was showing me something. He was showing me that, that I actually was afraid of stepping out in different directions because of the stories I've heard about other churches who stepped out with, you know, wanting to, you know, trying to get a place and then, and then they just went beyond their means and, bankrupt and, you know, whatever. Bad stories. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of good stories of churches who stepped out and went for it and it all went great. But that's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking of the bad stories, right? And so right during that time, I said, God, this is still my own heart. I said, God, I'm, I want you to deal with those fears. I'm taking those fears. Let's go right after this thing because I don't want them. They're in the way. Do you see how fears are in the way? They're in the way. And this is what I heard from God. I heard, I heard very clearly. I want to, I want to just read it to make sure I get it just so, because I wrote it down. This is what I heard from God right there in my own heart. I heard him say, you are a different people. Remember, because my fear was those other churches where it didn't go so well. He said, you are a different people. This is a different time. You hear my voice and you don't make decisions based on your flesh. We check with him all the time. 
Lord, is this you? Is this you? Is this you? What do you want? What do you say, God? But I want to tell you what happened right in that moment. This is, this is the miracle of what happens when we let, when we face our fears, meaning being honest that they're there. Yes, God says, don't, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And so sometimes we think, well, I'm not allowed to fear because it says don't fear. Except why do you think he told us that so much? Because he knows we do fear. And he's saying, I don't want that to be part of your life, right? So when I acknowledged it, when I, when I, and when I said, God, show me what I can't see. And he showed me something. Then he gives me the antidote for the courage. What happened right in that moment? My wanter came back. Any of you have a wanter that is shut off because of past disappointment? I would say all of us in this room at times, and maybe some of you right now, probably some of you right now. That's what happens when we get discouraged and we get afraid because of the discouragement. We think, well, I don't even want to want anymore because I don't want to go through more discouragement. But then you know what happens? We start dying inside. Because that wanter is, it's, it's a part of who you are. It's a part of the dreams that are inside of you. I, and I know they don't always work out the way that we think, right? That's, and that's partly why we get discouraged. Well, that didn't work out like I thought it would. And we start to get discouraged. And then we start thinking, well, I don't think I want my wanter going anymore because I don't want more discouragement. But then we start dying. So I'm sitting there in my, in my head, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something else with you. I'm not going to tell you a lot of details right now because I can't. It's just not a, an appropriate time yet based on where things are. But I told you last week, we're, we're looking at a piece of land, and we're looking at a building, and there may be others. I don't know. But this piece of land, there's something about it that's gripping my spirit, that's gripping my heart. I've been on it many times praying over it. There's a lot of reasons why I can't tell you yet, you know, where it is. And, um, but there's something about that land that was gripping me, that's been gripping me. And so I, right when my wanter came back, because I let God deal with the fears, I said, inside my heart, nothing's being spoken yet in this meeting. I, I said, God, I, I want that land. And there was something important about getting my wanter back out again. I said, Lord, I want that. Then Joe Lapazinski, I love how the Spirit of God moves. Joe says, because we were in this time of quiet, after Diane had read this word, Joe says, you know, I just, I see that right now we're in the courtroom of heaven and the Father's saying, is this all you want? Joe does not know what's been going on in my heart for the last couple of minutes. I'm like, oh my goodness. Because it's one thing to get your wanter on inside when nobody else is looking. It's a whole other thing to start getting your wanter out this way when others are around. Because now that ups the game a little bit, right? But you see, that's what risk is about. That's why, that's why this is the time. We're living in a different time. We are a different people. Meaning also, we've changed a whole lot in the last several years, have we not? We're a different people. We're living in a different time. God has got some things in store for us, but we will not go there if fear is, if fear is in the way. We just won't do it. Well, of all the excuses and reasons why we won't go there. I mean, we can, I'm not, I'm not making fun of this, but we, we can point at this box for the next 20 years if we want and say, one day, someday. But you see, unless, unless, 
unless we start moving out. And I'm not saying being presumptuous. I'm not saying do what you want and call it God. That's not what I'm saying either. But I'm saying that we've got to be alive. We've got to know who he is. We have to get our wanter back out in conjunction with, Lord, what are you saying? Is this your heart? Never apart from him. Right? You get me? I'm trying to cover my bases because I don't want you to hear something I'm not saying. But, but, so there we are and Joe comes out with us and I said, all right, Joe. Then I just explained exactly what I explained to you. And I said, Lord, I want the land. It was an important moment. It was a very important moment. Now, you might rightfully ask, Brent, does that mean, does that mean we're going to get the land? I will tell you, I really don't know. I don't know. I know what my wanter wants and I know it was really important that I stepped out and said, Lord, this is what I want. This is what my heart wants. This is what I believe you're doing. There's something about that land. Every time I get on it, I mean, peace, peace, peace. It's beautiful. I, I have a picture just, just to whet your appetite. There's, these are a couple pictures from it. You'd never believe this is in our region. Like, anyway, I'm just letting your imagination go a little bit. But, but, but the point of this, the point I'm really trying to make for each one of you is that there are things in your heart that you are born to do. But if fear continues to grip, you, you won't go there. And something inside of you will die. So I'm saying, it's it, God is saying, it's time. This is a different time because we're living in a different era. The church is waking up. The bride is waking up. You feeling this? I told you a minute ago, I said, what's the key? You know, to David saying what he said to Goliath. What was the key? I told you it was intimacy, right? Check this out. This is from the Passion Translation from the Song of Songs. So first, this narrative changes a little bit, but just kind of look at it as a scene. You know, someone's like looking through the fog or whatever, and they're saying, wait, who is this one? Oh, wait, look at her now, coming closer. She arises out of her desert, clinging to her beloved. Wait a minute. This one who was in the desert, that dry time you've been going through, but wait a minute, that's not the end of the story. Suzanne last week. That was her story coming out of the desert. But look at, she's clinging to her beloved. She saw the eyes of Jesus and that changed everything for her. Let's go on with this. This is amazing stuff here. Jesus is saying to us, fasten me upon your heart. Sorry, heart is twice there accidentally. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. This is might seem like interesting language. I don't want to be a prisoner. Well, inside of his love, you sure do. Isn't that that's where we all belong? He's saying, I bought you, you're mine. It goes on. My love is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. 
Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. Wow. What is he saying? What is going on here? Do you see? It's his love that's drawing us in. It's consuming us. What does this look like? Check out this picture. Do you see what's going on? He's burning. His flame is burning. It's right on the heart. His passion. Our name is blazing fire. It's his passion. It's burning away the things like fear that are getting in the way of who you are. Till the point where there you are because you've said yes to him, having access to your heart, going as deep as he wants to go, saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm abandoned to you. Now you are actually using the very sword, the flame that he gives you. It's the flame of his passion. It's how you're going to have the same uh, the, the, the very same uh, assurance that David did, that, that confidence that says, I am my beloved's, he is mine. And there is nothing that's going to get in the way of his plans and his destiny for my life. Now, we're all in this journey. And, and I want to, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm just going to be super honest with you. Doesn't always feel like this. Wouldn't it be great if we all just looked down and saw this flaming sword and you knew what this sword could do and you knew it could, you know, just any wrong thoughts, any fear, any anything. Wouldn't that be amazing? Even though this is who we really are right now. Do you understand? This is who we already are. But it's not always how we feel. Our, our, our flesh battles. When I say flesh, I'm talking about our mind, our emotions. Doesn't always fall in line, right? So this is where right now we're going to, um, we're going to actually ask Jesus for his help. This is just such a smart thing to do. <laughs> I can't tell you how smart this is. You have the brilliant one living inside of you, Holy Spirit. Jesus has made his home in you. You've got everything you need. But it's amazing to me how often we try to get ourselves right for God. I have no idea why. Instead of just saying, God, I can't do this, would you help me? And so specifically, I've told you, I've just been open about some of the fears that I experienced. Because I wanted you to see, this is what we're talking about. About using, you know, about cutting the head off of fear. Using its own sword. Meaning... You're going to go ahead and expose what it is. Let the Lord show you what it is. Let him give you a gift in return that's going to be his answer to that. So that fear doesn't have the authority anymore, doesn't have any power anymore. Okay? So we're going to pray. Because Jesus is saying, can I have that? Can I have that fear? Because it's getting in the way of what I have for you. So let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, we trust you. 
we do trust you. For some of us, we talked about this last week, you know, sometimes our truster is broken too. So even there, we're asking for your help. If we're having a hard time trusting you, then help us do that too. But you are so good. Thank you, Jesus. You are that strong lover that we can lean against, that we're coming out of the desert and we're clinging to you and we're leaning on you. You're the one, Jesus. You're the one. You're the one that has already purchased all things. You're the one we already read about that's, that's already paraded in public, the enemy behind you in, in, in victory, in your victory, Jesus, in our victory. But Lord, there are things, there are fears in our hearts that, that we don't want there because they're getting in the way. And so um, right now, would you show us, would you just give us an understanding, a glimpse of what it is in our hearts that we're afraid of. And if it's several things, Jesus, thank you that you're big enough to take care of several things at once. But maybe it's just one thing. Holy Spirit, would you show us what that is? Just even right now, maybe there's one thing, Holy Spirit, that you really want us to say, let's just take care of this one tonight. I won't be taken care of. I won't have enough. I'm afraid of being rejected. Whatever it is, show us, Holy Spirit. So now Jesus is, is uh, standing before you. And he's asking you. He says, I actually, I, I died to take that from you because I, I don't want that destroying you. I don't want that hurting you. I don't want it robbing and stealing from you. Can I have that? Would you, by an act of your will, choose that you don't want this anymore, that it's not doing you any favors, this fear, and that it's something you would really rather not have? Would you, would you give me that fear? So whatever that looks like to you or for you, if that's saying something, Go ahead and say, Jesus, I give you the, my fear of, and you just whisper these things just so it's real to you. Jesus, I don't want this anymore. I give this to you. But it never ends there because Jesus has something for you in return. You get to receive something. So right now, um, Jesus, we are, we are inviting you to give back in its, we just gave you fear. What in its place, Jesus, would you give to us? What can we have, Jesus, to stand on, to hold on to? We know it's you, but is there also a word? Is there an, I don't know, maybe it's a, a new strength, a new something you would infuse into us? a knowing of something that's truly going to make this encounter memorable. Would you do that, Jesus, right now? Right now. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Jesus. We need to know the strength 
that's already in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We need to know Jesus just as David knew. We need that intimacy with you to know that we know that this one who is all-powerful, almighty, is on our side and working for us at all times. So Jesus, would you draw us into deeper intimacy? Which isn't just about carving out a little time here and there. It's about doing all of life with you. (laughs) That's the time we're living in, Jesus. And we're all hungering for that. We're all hungering for it. And carving out times with you is a good thing, especially when we didn't before. (laughs) That's a great start. But I know where you're taking this. (laughs) You are so engrafted with us. You're so one with us. You want us to see everything we're doing as an extension of what we are doing with you. Everything in life. That's the wholeness that you're bringing to us. So that any time the enemy, in any way, shape, or form, through another person, in any other way, would have the audacity to intimidate and try to bring fear or shame, we would lean on our lover. We would lean on you, Jesus, and say, Jesus, this doesn't feel right. This isn't what you bought for me. Let's go over this again. Why don't you tell me who I am? Oh, it's time, Lord. We're just, we're all agreeing. It is time for the body of Christ to rise up. It's time for your bride to arise to know who she is. It is so time. And God, it's time because, because there are kingdom advancements that are on the, that are on the march. There are things that are happening around the world that we are to be a part of. There's, there, the, the, the harvest is coming in. The enemy's doing all he can to bring, to try to bring fear and intimidation to get us stopped, but it's not working because your bride is understanding and knowing who she is because you're gazing right at us with your eyes of love and approval and acceptance. That's what's going on. That's the time we're living in. So Jesus says to each one of you, arise, arise, rise up and see who I am and he, and see who I say you are. See what I see when I look at you. I'm giving you the grace to do that. Go with courage. Here's some scriptures right out of John 14.1. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't surrender to your fear. You've believed in God, so now trust and believe in me also. And later in the same chapter, verse 27 I leave with you the gift of peace, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, the kind that comes and goes, but my perfect peace, shalom. The word is actually shalom, which is wholeness. It's well-being in every way imaginable. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Be courageous. I want to end tonight. We got our, I think our kids are just outside. Perfect timing. We want to end with communion tonight. And so that's why we brought the kiddos back in to join us. (laughs) Knock, knock, knock. Um, Matt and Carice, why don't you come up and Russ and Susan, yeah.
Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Let me, uh, how about one more? Um, Babu and Puni, would you be willing to serve communion tonight? That'd be awesome. So, tonight, I, I know this is part of the invitation. This is part of the, the transfer of you letting go of fear by your will, by his invitation, but by your will, letting go of fear, but embracing who he is and that you are one with him. Another thing I've been doing all week this week, do you guys ever just get a song in your heart, you know, like in a certain week, it just starts gripping you, even if you've heard it for a while, but all of a sudden it's just the song so all week long, I've been first listening to, then I got on the keyboard and started playing, and then I'm like, you know, screaming it through the house and on the land when I was walking the land. But it's this song, um, No More, uh, sorry, No Longer Slaves. Thank you. No Longer Slaves. And um, we're going to, why don't you guys be in three places? So, me, yeah, on the side and in, the, in between. I'll mention that in just a second. So, no longer slaves, and and um, that's the song that's going to start. I've got several songs that are going to be played right now. I want us to take. We ended a little early on purpose uh, because I want you actually to take some time on this. If you want to worship for a little bit first before coming up, please do. If you want to take communion, then go back and worship a little more. Please do. The no longer slaves has just been going over and over and over again through my spirit. As well as the next song, It Is Well. The newer version of It Is Well with My Soul. And then there's a third song I have in there. So I just want to take this time for us to agree more and more that we are one with Him. When Jesus said, I want you to take the the bread, the, the juice, when He was with the cup, when He was with His followers, what He was saying is, don't forget. He was saying, remember me, but He's saying, don't forget. Don't forget that I'm in you. Don't forget that, that it's my strength in you, that you have all authority. Even how we're going to take communion, um, there's the bread is already, it's already in squares. And so as you dip it, by the way, this one is wine. If you want wine, these two on the outside is juice. Okay. So as you dip it, look what happens. The wine just gets all soaked up in the bread because you and Christ so you soak him up. He soaks you up. You're one. There's so many different images for this. Thank you. So I just, I want to encourage you. Make this real for you. Holy Spirit, make this so real. That, that, that you, are, you have been changing us just like you said you would. And we are not in the same place anymore. And fear is not going to grip us. And whenever fear tries to intimidate us, we're going to run back to you. And we're going to realize that we are still leaning on our lover, our first love, Jesus. Amen. So thank you, Jesus, that you died to set us free. You died so that we could be close with you, close with the Father, close with the Holy Spirit, and close with each other. And so that we would rise up to know who we are, to love an entire world into the kingdom. And it's time. It is so time. So thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We remember everything about what you've done for us. Amen.
So let's go ahead and start the worship. Please feel free to come when you want. And I bless you. <laughs> 